I believe that, you know, the, the article, the fourth article of faith, we believe the first principles and ordinances of the gospel are first faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, second repentance, third baptism by immersion, fourth laying on hands by the gift of the Holy Ghost, fifth humor by the slap of the hands. So I feel like humor is really a, a principle of the gospel that we really don't talk about. Mm. Uh, it's never been really studied or, or, or preached or anything, but I think it's a, it is definitely a part of living the gospel. For another episode of the Cultural Hall, I'm excited to be joined by Jonathan Clark. Now, here's the deal. Uh, we have had emails back and forth, but I have kept them so ambiguous and so vague. What you are going to hear in this discussion today is essentially one guy completely getting to know the other guy. Uh, thank you for being here, Jonathan. You're welcome. Or do you, you prefer John? Is it? Is, am I being too formal? Should I call you Brother John? What do we prefer? John's great. All John's right. great. All right. Uh, now, I have to tell people the genesis of this episode uh, came from a listener who emailed contact at theculturalhall.com. Her name is Paula Feriente, I think is how you say her last name. She said, you know who you need to talk to? And I said, no, Paula, who do I need to talk to? And she said, oh, my friend John. And I said, okay, well, let's get connected. And so she said, can I connect you? And I said, absolutely and here we are. So thank you. Shout out to Paula, who has uh, some connection to a great friend of the show, Robert, who begat uh, someone else who begat someone else. And now John is here. John, uh, let's let's dive in. You uh, have the most interesting, uh, not only hobby and passion, but also day job as well. Pick it up wherever you would like. All right. Well, I make a living doing creative things. Um, my day job is composing music for television uh, and other media. And so I've been so doing that. Is, mm-hmm. is that like, uh, give me an idea, is that like the crowned willow comes from the woods and you're like, that kind of stuff? Or like, what are you composing <laughs> music for? Uh, well, it's more composing for uh, people uh, painting their house or uh, mowing their lawn. So it's not quite as uh, exciting. Actually, um, I do a lot of different things uh, music-wise, but most of it is non-scripted television. Okay. So it's uh, how-to, it's uh, reality shows, it's, you know, kind of like the Mm -hmm. Bachelor-type shows uh, where it's, there's no, you know, script or anything, but it's, it's sort of staged a little bit but yeah reality but not reality um i'm wondering Mm -hmm. and my fingers are so crossed right now uh Mm -hmm. there's the married at first sight and the songs from if you've ever seen the tv show married at first sight my fingers are crossed so hard right now that you're responsible for some of those gems and is is that is that the case (laughs) not my my shows those, those songs are notably uh 
because the premise of the show is two people meet each other, then they get married, and we sort of watch them uh, get to know each other and have fights or figure each other out and love each other enough. And the songs are so pandery. It's like, oh, oh will they love each other? Or oh, will they let it go? <laughs> I was just hoping that you were the, the author, the composer of those kind of things. No, the love songs I write are about renovating homes and <laughs> trying to decide which home to buy. Huh. So that's as that's as uh, yeah as sexy as it gets, I guess. Will this be your forever home? Uh, there you go. Hey, that I might might use that uh, trademarked. Uh, how how do you get into a job like that? I want to get into your other stuff too, but how do you get into a job yeah. m- making the music for home improvement and reality TV shows? Well, I'm kind of an accidental composer. I was really into music. That was probably my first real passion as a teenager. And so I was, I was basically locked in my bedroom from age 16 to eight, 19, when I went and served a mission, uh, just tinkering with synthesizers and four track recorders and um, trying to create music. And, you know, I wanted to be a rock star like every young man wanted to be. Um, And, I couldn't get into a music school, so I didn't even try because I didn't have any formal, real formal training. Um, but when I got to BYU, um, I, I got my degree in communications. I went sort of a more generic route, um, but I, I uh, rubbed shoulders with other people who were uh, creating student films or doing dance recitals, and they, I ended up creating music for them. So I started composing music just you know, for trades or just, just to get, you know, some experience. And I amassed uh, some music. And at that time, music was being sold on, uh, printed on CDs. Mm -hmm. And that was the the hot thing to buy CDs. And I had just finished a mission and spent a summer selling pest control (laughs) in Houston, Texas. And I thought, you know, I'm really good at selling things. Why am I selling other people's stuff? I should sell my music. Uh, I wasn't really a performer. I just like to create, you know, with nobody else watching. Mm-hmm. So I thought, why don't I try making a CD and then selling it, marketing it myself door to door, like I would, like I would sell pest control. And so for about three years while I was at BYU, my wife and I actually pedaled door to door uh, CDs uh, of my music. It was instrumental kind of, you know, Sunday music uh, during a time where that was really trendy that, uh, you know, people listen to that all the time. So I sort of rode that, that trend of both CDs and, uh, and instrumental music and, and made a pretty good living while I was at school. Now when, then, you, now, when you said door to door, I thought you were just saying, you know, like door to door. You literally went door to door and said, hi, my name is John Clark. I have created this CD. I'd love to be able to share it. Would you mind if I step in? Do you have a compact disc player we could like that kind of door to door pitch like in your music? That. Yeah. I, I mean, the pitch was I had a backpack on full of CDs and a, a, a Sony Discman, a Discman in my hand. And I would knock the door. And the first thing I would say is I'm. My name is John Clark. I'm a local artist uh, promoting my my music. Would you like to take a listen? And I would stick the headphones on them as quickly as I could get that. That was like the the way to you know sort of close the sale. Well, hopefully close the sale. So I was a, I was a walking listening station, uh, 
And as soon as, you know, I played them two or three tracks, I could kind of tell by the look in their eye, if, you know, if this was something they were interested in. Uh, and, and typically they would ask me, so are you selling these? Well, you know, it just so happens I've got them in my backpack right here. And, uh, and I sold them, I sold about 8,000 CDs that way. Uh, Holy cow. And uh, so it was a good, it was a good gig, but uh, after I graduated, we moved back to Tennessee where, uh, where I grew up and I didn't know what I was going to do for a living because at that time, Napster had come out mm -hmm. and music became free and people just weren't buying C. I mean, it, it was, it wasn't an immediate decline, but, but I could see the writing on the wall. I wasn't going to be, be able to make a living peddling CDs, especially, uh, you know, in, in Tennessee where, you know, there was at that time, everyone worked. So there was no stay at home moms or anything. And that, those were the people that was my market stay at home moms. Cause I was going out during the day. And so anyways, I, I, I tried to figure out what I was going to do and then found out that uh, there was a TV production studio that had gone up a few years bef uh, before just down the road from where I was. And uh, so I knocked on their door and I used my CDs sort of as a resume, said, this is what I do. Do you need music? It was actually my wife who called uh, the company and, and handed me the phone and said, <laughs> you're, you're going to talk to these people because <laughs> I was painting, you know, I was painting houses yeah. until I could find something to do with my degree. Uh, degree. But um, I got in the door there and within a year, I was a full-time composer and I've been with this company for, like I said, over two decades. And it's, it's been a huge, huge blessing that, uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I don't have any, like, I didn't at the time have any music credentials. Later went back and got a master's degree in music technology and uh, have since used that to teach a little bit on the side. And, uh, but yeah, I, it's been a, just, a, I get to, I get paid to do what I love, you know, it's my hobby. So and and, I, and, I think, really and thanks to your wife who I'm, as I play that situation out in my mind, I see like the old, you know, kind of brick wired to your home phones with the, you know, mm -hmm. pressable numbers and she's doing the numbers yeah. in and she goes here, talk to them. And it's like, say hello, tell <laughs> them who you are. Like that's the scenario in my mind. Here's a, here's an even better image in your mind. Um, there were times when she would go out in the snow while I sat, stayed home with the baby and sell CD, sell CDs door to door pregnant. Wow. I mean, that's how awesome she is. And she, she was just an amazing support. So, yeah. So the, 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 you know, the, the, the dream of becoming a rock star is kind of come and gone. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not in the credits. I don't get a lot of notoriety, but, I'm able to do something that I really enjoy. And and, so and, it's, and it's an important part of it. I mean, I, I think if yeah. people were to have an uh, an opportunity to watch one of the, the shows that you work on or, or something like that, and were your art not part of it, you know, your music, mm -hmm. your craft not part of it, people would definitely go, eh, there's something missing here. I'm not mm -hmm. feeling this the way that I thought I would or not feeling maybe anything the, the way that music brings to it. I think that that's cool, but that's not all that's cool about you, John. You have other things that are cool. Why are you holding out on me? What else do you do? Well, um, I I just love every creative, you know, from music to painting uh, to to writing. 
Um, and, and I do obviously, uh, cartoons. Um, well, you say obviously, got, because I know that you do cartoons, but we should probably right. tell people about the cartoons. Yeah, you I'll do. Tell you. So, um, I think it was probably 2005 or so I started, uh, just wanted to do some, some drawing and some cartooning and, um, it kind of came at a time when I was going through some, some rough, rough patches, personal trials. And I was looking for a way to sort of just, you know, channel some of the, the, the creative energy I had into it in some, into something that was worthwhile. And I, I remembered how much I had enjoyed stories, uh, illustrated stories, children's stories, as well as cartoons. And so I, I started doodling. I wanted to, uh, uh, I wanted to learn the craft the way that, you know, traditionally people have done it, which is with pen and ink. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I bought supplies and everything. And I, I mean, it was ex- kind of expensive to, to learn that craft because you got to buy a lot of really expensive paper and pen and ink and everything. And after probably, you know, spending $50 and just feeling like I wasn't getting anywhere, my, Kind of like with the uh, the uh, problem I ran into with trying to market my music, I thought maybe there's another way around this sort of this barricade. And um, I saw um, a whiteboard on my fridge that you you know you write your grocery list on and stuff with mm-hmm. my, with a dry erase board. And I started doodling on that and noticed that it was the it, it was a perfect size to uh, flip it over onto a printer or a scanner and scan it in. So that, that then became my, um, my draft table, was a, a dry erase board that you hang on the fridge. And the great thing about it is I didn't have, I didn't have to buy any paper. All I had to buy was dry erase markers. You know? And so I started using that to create cartoons for local newspapers, as well as um, drawing, uh, illustrating these children's books that I was kind of getting into. And, and I became known as honest John at, locally at several newspapers. I tried to sort of self syndicate. So I reached out to all the newspapers in the area and became an editorial cartoonist uh, for a little while. Uh, but there's another you know thing where I, I could see the writing on the wall. This was, you know, the print industry was going South as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it never really took off. It always was a, just a hobby that I made a little here and there from. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, I think, uh, probably after five or 10 years of, of doing that, I reached out to, uh, the church, um, uh, who ran cartoons in their youth magazines and started doing cartoons for the new era um, not the honest John cartoons that, that you see on my blog, but just, you know, more generic cartoons, safer cartoons. And, uh, and then, you know, with social media uh, coming around, I started a blog, uh, doing LDS cartoons using that same brand name, honest John, I kind of left the, the whole editorial cartoon, um, scene and, and just went to doing it for a demographic that I I'm very familiar with because, you know, I, I've, I've searched, I've, I've served in every church calling just about and, 
had plenty of material to draw upon for uh, for the cartoon. So I had a, I've just had a lot of fun with it. I want to ask you a couple things. Uh, where does the honest and honest John come from? I I think that what sets my cartoons maybe apart from others. There's not a lot of 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 church humor out there to begin with. Well, mm-hmm. there, now we're you know in the meme world, everybody's you know a cartoonist and and, and that sort of thing. But when I was uh, first approaching it. Um, I felt like humor in, in the church was very safe and, um, we didn't want to talk about the stuff that everybody really, you know, is thinking, or they're talking to their friends over dinner about and laughing and having a great time. But when, you know, in, in the cartoon, in LDS sort of humor, uh, world, there wasn't a lot of, uh, of, of humor there that, that really, I I think was relatable, uh, on a, on a more honest level. Like we really need to poke fun at, at people who bear their testimonies too long or, you know, just situations in, in church culture that, uh, you know, are, are part, are, are part of, uh, culture and not doctrine. And, and that, uh, that we can sort of laugh at ourselves with, yeah, it, with so, so so um, so sort of the honest is is the literal honest of the of the take of what you do, and I think that probably stems from things like your editorial, right? Some of those are are honest to a fault. Some of those right. editorial cartoons where you're like, ooh, all right, I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. He is not wrong in what he's saying. The other thing I wanted to pick up and ask, and then we can take a break, as you said, uh, and you. Yeah, I just want to pry this open maybe a little bit. You said that there were some some struggles you were having kind of mid 2000s. Uh, I would be curious if you'd be willing to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, you know, I, they're, they're personal okay. struggles. I don't I don't want to uh, really share, but um, but I found that humor uh, really uh, really helped me. I believe that, uh, and I make a you know I'll probably do a cartoon about this at some point, but. You know the the article, the fourth article of faith. We believe in the uh, the first principles and ordinances of the gospel. Our first faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second, repentance. Third, baptism by immersion. Fourth, laying on hand, hands by the gift of the Holy Ghost. Fifth, humor by the slap of the hands. So I feel like humor is really a a principle of the gospel that we really don't talk about. Mm. Uh, it's never been really, you know studied or, or, or preached or anything, but I think it's a, uh, it is definitely a part of living the gospel. Um, we have to be able to laugh at ourselves. We have to be able to, um, not take ourselves so seriously. And, and we, as has been said before, one of the things of, uh, that humor does is it, it's a shared experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all, and as an LDS community, can relate to, uh, you know, things in our culture, um, that, that make us laugh. So I really feel like there's a power there that, um, that I, that I tapped into for myself because I'm, I'm, I'm creating comics that, that will make me laugh, Mm -hmm. you know, or, and make my mom laugh. That was my other sort of goal. She loves, you know, that kind of humor. So, um, if that, if that's, all I'm achieving, I'm, um, you know, it, it's it's serving a purpose for me. 
I want to take a break real quick. When we come back uh, in the second block of the Cultural Hall, we'll pick it up right where we left it off. Uh, we'll do that coming back. A busy full summer from Best DJ in Utah. Go to bestdjinutah.com. Why, that is me, Richie T, and I would love to be able to play music at your upcoming wedding or maybe you're having a company party, or maybe you're thinking already for the holiday party, whatever it is that's on your schedule, you should get the number one highest rated DJ for the state of Utah. Now, I know you're thinking, I don't even live in Utah, Richie. Would you ever do an event in Washington State? Oh, I've already done that before. Would you ever do an event in California? Been there too. How about Louisiana? Uh Uh-huh. Texas? Yes. Point is, uh, you know, you, you throw shekels my way. I'll come to wherever you're at. We could even combine it and make it an episode of the cultural hall mind blown if you are in need of a dj at all or someone in your family's get married would like to be able to talk to me i would love to be able to talk to them it's best dj in utah.com hi friends dan the laptop man here from pc laptops i get a lot of emails from people all the time here's one dear dan i hear your talk about a lifetime service guarantee free really Please help me avoid all your fine print and be honest about what free means. You understand that we should be very wary of a free offer signed skeptical. Hi, skeptical. I remember 22 years ago when we started PC laptops and our lifetime service guarantee, people thought it was too good to be true. Well, you know, after a decade, people started believing me a little bit. But you know, it's been 22 years of having the privilege to serve our friends and neighbors like you. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC laptops desktop computer for $7.99 with a lifetime warranty. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. Here's to seeing you soon, Skeptical. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, you want to be able to see this video. It's restricted to only people who are Patreon subscribers. So I'm looking at you, Paula, who is not a Patreon saint of the Cultural Hall. I'm calling you out right now. If you want to see your friend John in this video, on this interview, you're going to have to become a Patreon saint. Go to patreon.com forward slash the Cultural Hall. There's other perks too. You get to be a part of that secret but not sacred Facebook group. It's a bunch of people nerding out about what we do, having side conversations and tangents about the show that they love that is available in podcasts form, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. John, you write humor. Humor is so subjective. Uh, as a humorist, uh, which is what I like to call myself sometimes, a humorist myself, I can be very funny to one and very offensive to another person. Uh, as you've sort of navigated the waters of comedy and spoken about how you feel like it's it's so important that it's even the fifth article of faith, how do you navigate that when you are so kind-hearted? so sincere in your effort to just make someone laugh and they say, John, that's the most offensive thing I've ever seen. Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, you you have to you have to come to terms with it when you sort of go into a more edgy area of comedy. Um, and, and I think that, uh, like I said, that that's sort of my niche is is, you know, talking about things that you wouldn't see in a church magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had to, I've had to learn uh, some, some lessons there and not really stay away from certain topics that, that, that are a little too sacred and too uh, sensitive that, uh, that could offend people. I would be curious, what are your boundaries then? It sounds like they're pretty formally set up. What are they? 
Um, I don't, I try not to use any, any names, um, in, in, in any of the cartoons. Like President because, Nelson or like people in your ward or what are you talking about? Yeah. More just generic names. Okay. Not that I, I'll use President Nelson's name, but I, you know, obviously in a respectful way, but, um, but even, you know, saying brother Jones, uh, somebody that reads that may think I'm talking about the brother Jones, that's their father or their brother or oh. something like that. So I've tried to veer away from that. Um, I'm not saying I don't have that in, in some of my comics because I've, I've I, you know, I've got lots, lots of them. I'm not going to go back and revise them all, but, um, but going forward, I've tried to, to write them in a way that can, that, that uh, can be related to, you know, any, you know, in, anybody's situation or, any brother or sister uh, without using a specific name. Um, and, you know, I, I try to, you know, there's, there's certain subjects that I think could be pretty sensitive and could be people could, could get their feelings hurt or, or be, you know, sensitive to those things. So I, I try to stay more with the, 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 the humor uh, of people, you know, being long winded or sure. sleeping in church or, uh, struggling with a calling or, but not stuff that you would talk about, you know, privately with, with, a you know, a priesthood leader as much. Okay. Um, yeah. So think, so like for me personally, one of my kind of like credos or whatever is I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't poke fun at like covenants. I don't typically think sure. that that's a, a super funny thing. So if I'm hearing you, it sounds like, like issues of race probably aren't things that you would talk about oh, yeah. or like priest, priesthood and or patriarchy in, in that sense is probably something you wouldn't... It, it's just interesting to know. And I think that, that people that know you, follow you, and love you appreciate this about you, but maybe haven't ever sat and consciously thought, oh, he's he has put in fences and boundaries of, of where this is. They know that you do do it, and they have that trust with you that you're not ever going to go with without the walls of those things. But, but to know that you have consciously said, and not this and this, but not this... I, yeah. I think I think kind of peels it back for a lot of people. Absolutely, yeah. I I, I I'm I think uh, you said it well. So, uh, you know, and you you're always going to make mistakes. Sure. Um, and uh, and I've had to change cartoons or 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 take them down when I if I get even one comment from someone who you know is, is offended, uh, typically I'll just take it down because the last thing I want to do is you know rub salt in anybody's wounds or anything. Uh, I, I really do this to, to get people to laugh. As a creative person, when there is that person that's offended and you know that maybe the result is going to be taking it down, do you ever get that feeling where you just want to dig in your heels and go, no, come on. No, that's way, <laughs> you're, come on. Or do you, are, no, are, are you just submissive to the point where you're like, okay, I don't need the headache. Actually, actually, it's it's the other fans that that do what you just said. You know, well, well, I, this was great. I don't I don't understand what you know, the big deal was, but because you know it's causing sort of that back and forth. I, I you know I, that's when I realize that I'm crossing a line that that I don't want to cross. Let me ask you this: uh, as you've reflected and shared your sort of professional career, uh, you, you've talked about that you get really into things that are going away, right? You're into CDs, and CDs are going away. <laughs> You're getting into the print, and the print is going away. I need to yeah. know: uh, is TV going away? Uh, is reality <laughs> TV going away? Because that's what you're doing right now. And if ah. it is, I can be okay with it. I just I need to make sure that I'm prepared for it. 
<laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it, content uh, is obviously, I mean, and the whole TV industry is going through a, a real major change with everybody, uh, you know, cutting cable and but content is always going to be high in demand. And it's, you know, I mean, it's always going to, I think it's obviously since the, uh, the internet has just exploded even more. Um, it's just the, the delivery of that content, whether it's through TV or online, it, you know, that's the only thing that's changing. And that, that has had an impact on, on my industry uh, or the industry I work for. But uh, but my company has, has really done a great job of sort of facing that and and really you know strat uh, making a strategy that that is sound to to continue to provide that for the future. And um, I only see the need for um, what I do as far as my day job uh, increasing as far as humor goes and as far as cartooning goes. You know, it's never been really a, a, a a major source of income uh, you know i get pennies and you know here and there from it but um i think that the need for that will continue to be out there even though there is like i said i'm, I'm I, everyone is basically a cartoonist mm -hmm. on social media when they create a meme or a video but hopefully what i'm doing is a little bit more unique and it's hand-drawn, so. Yeah. And it, I think it's smarter than a lot of people. I think anyone can slap a few words on a picture and throw it up, but I think you, you know, I, there there is uh, intelligence, understanding, and consideration in the things that you draw, which I, I really appreciate. Uh, I, I I want to ask you about um, your, your wife, this rock star wife of yours, and mm -hmm. go back in sort of early life, because you also mentioned that you served a mission, uh, Wife or mission, where would you like to go? Well, we can start with mission first. Okay. I, I, I served uh, a, a mission in Mendoza, Argentina. So I was uh, in South America and thoroughly loved that experience. Just being able to see uh, a side of the world that had so, so much less than I did, but were so happy and content and such good people. I've I've heard from creatives like yourself sometimes that serving missions is not stifling, but because it's so very different than the creation of things, right? There's a sort of a regiment that uh, is encouraged, and it's the way, uh, certainly when, uh, and I think you and I are sort of contemporaries of each other, when we served, it was a little bit more this, you know, you get up, you study this, you go from this time to this time, you come back, you do this, and that and that's not the way that a lot of creatives uh, flourish may be the word for it. How was that experience for you? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, trying to stay on a schedule is really hard for me because I, yeah, I, I chase butterflies all day. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, and, but that, you know, that is probably a good segue, segue into talking about my rock star, rock star wife, who is really the, uh, the one who has the the street smarts and in our relationship and kind of keeps me grounded. Um, so tell, tell uh, me how you met her. Is this a BYU story? Sort of. Uh, I was at BYU. She lived about three blocks down from me. We did not know each other. 
I went home for Christmas to, uh, to Tennessee and she went home, um, because her, her, her bishop said, you need to go home. You're going to get married. Um, and, and I won't go into details about how that came across, but how that but came across she, to your wife, I can probably imagine. What do you mean I need to go home because right. I'm going to get married? Or how that was delivered, I yeah, should exactly. say. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> she, was, she was almost engaged at the time uh, to somebody else. Um, so when we got back uh, to Tennessee and uh, met each other in my home ward, her family had moved to Tennessee and, and was in my home ward. We, had, we were both in relationships, and so there was no uh sort of there was no uh we were just friends yeah talking about you know the people who we were going to marry or who we were in relationships with so there's no barriers there and we we within a, f- a few days we knew that we would be uh, delivering some some uh difficult news to our significant others as we had found uh something that neither one of us had ever had which was uh, just a, a, an emotional connection that um, that you know is, is at the core of uh, of what marriage you know is all about. Within a few so, days, that's awesome. Whatever you did, yeah. we were engaged in. We we waited three weeks to get engaged. So. <laughs> So it's not it's not a BYU story, but it's an of BYU story for sure. Yeah, in, in yeah. A... So we went back out to school. I finished. She was out there uh, just working, and I I finished up. Uh, you know, we we went back out. So we were out there for another three years or so. So something I've never asked people that get married or get engaged and kind of get married that quick. You know, certainly, you know, you know that everyone who doesn't do that is like, John, what in the world are you doing? Right. We sort of have that kind of collective thought within within your relationship. Do the two of you ever look back on on that sort of short courtship and 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 maybe as you look at your own children, if you have them kind of coming into that or other people and and their children or, you know, friends that are of that age coming into marriage and and they're doing it what you deem to be kind of quick and do you have that that same feeling like, yeah, go for it. We did. It worked out well. Or do you have the hesitant, hey, may, maybe kind of take it easy a little bit? Well, I'll tell you one story um, uh, that sort of relates to, to that as well as uh, the, the comics and the music and stuff. Uh, when we moved into our first apartment after getting married, the living room was full of boxes of CDs. And at that point, I had never sold a CD yet. You know, I just barely made the, the those CDs that I was telling you about. And so I had no idea if, you know, I didn't have a job. Um, so I, I, I attempted the, you know, door-to-door thing. And I went out with my backpack just around the neighborhood and, uh, and came back a couple hours later with my tail between my legs and this isn't going to work. Nobody cared. You know, I got a, pe- a, pe- a couple people to listen, but what wasn't able to sell anything. So I walked in the door, just kind of um, a little discouraged. And it was, it was my wife who uh, said, um, you're not going to give up. And she pushed me back out the door and came back home about four hours later, just on the top of the world. Sorry, I'm getting a little yeah. emotional no. here. Um, but we've, 
absolutely uh, gotten to know each other a lot better than we did in those three weeks. But things like that have uh, carried us through. And uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just really grateful that, that, uh, that she married me. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I appreciate you sharing that, getting a little vulnerable as far as that goes. I want to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we still haven't talked about all that is John Clark. We got to talk about a book. Wait, two books? We'll talk about that coming up in the third block of the Cultural Hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, if you want to uh, you know, be a part of a group that you don't have to pay for, there is the Cultural Hall Back Row. You can find it on Facebook. It's 200 plus people now. Uh, it's just like the Patreon group, but for people who don't want to pay money. Uh, I should say that it's not exactly like it because you don't get to see the video. You don't get to have that exclusive first look at things. Uh, but it is people who just love and support the show. And we oftentimes will take suggestions in that group as well. If you want more Cultural Hall than you know what to do with, find the Cultural Hall back row on Facebook and join that group. We have to actually allow you into that group. Uh, so ask to join and then we'll admit you. We've never not admitted someone. It's the Cultural Hall back row. Uh, John, you've got a couple books, one that's out and, and one that's coming out, one that is out sort of. Tell me about this second book. Okay. The, sec- the, the first or the second? Oh, tell, tell me, I, you make a good point. Tell me about the first book and then what led to a second book. Sure. Well, the first book uh, came out in 2012, I think. I think it's almost been 10 years since I've published a collection of, of my cartoons. Um, Cedar Fort published uh, When High Priests Take Over the Nursery. That was the book <laughs> that I put out uh, back in 2012. And it's like 90 uh, of my uh, cartoons at the time. And uh, so, yeah, that's available on Amazon or uh, Desert Book, I think. Uh, but uh, I would be curious not to interrupt kind of where we're going, except you're like, Richie, all you do is interrupt me. It's how I roll. Uh, <laughs> when, right. when, when you author a book like this, how, how much involvement do you have? Because the, it, as I understand it, it's just, your, it's, it's just a collection of your cartoons. So is it just you sort of send the images and then they you know, collate it and collaborate and put it all together? Or, or what's the involvement on your end for something like this? So for that book, I, I did work with an editor that, um, you know, helped me with some grammar and some, you know, just, just minor, you know, s- mistakes like that. But literally the, the, the collection is, is, is my panel cartoons, um, one page after another. There's a, there's a nice intro and, you know, some, some nice uh, little blurbs from a couple of cartoonists that I have a lot of respect for that are uh, LDS cartoonists. So... Yeah. So, so then when you're embarking on a second book, is it, hey, I learned all the, the things not to do in the first one. Move over. Here we go. Yeah. Or is it a continuation 
uh, with with new and more maybe topical or more nowadays related humor? What's the difference? Well, yeah. Well, the second book was uh, I got I got a call from the the cultural hall and they said they'd like to talk to me on the air, so I got to put a book out. <laughs> I'd been thinking about doing that for a while. And, and again, I, you know, I, I probably hit the million uh, mark in, in people who have walked by the book and said, eh, uh, but those who have picked it up and read it and uh, have enjoyed my book or, have, you know, read the cartoons will, I think will, will appreciate uh, the, the uniqueness of it. So the second book is, is I'm just self-publishing, uh, but it is available uh, on Amazon. And uh, yeah, it's just another, it's, it's a, a slightly longer 120 plus cartoons and they cover the COVID uh, era as well as a lot of the policy changes that have happened prior to that. And during, during that, as well as a lot of the sort of standard honest John variety. And when you say policy changes, you're talking within the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes, correct. There's, it, you know, it seemed like there was a, a, a real wave of, 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 uh, of changes that happened just uh, sort of at the beginning of the COVID uh, outbreak or right before it and, and throughout it, uh, which I think have been awesome. And, uh, and so I sort of take uh, the reader sort of cr- my really uh, my cartoons in general, not only, you know, talk about generic cultural things but if there's ever something that's happening in the church mm-hmm. that's new some policy change typically I'll do a cartoon about those things so in that in that way it's sort of timely and relevant mm-hmm. whereas um, you know I know a lot of the uh, other cartoonists sort of stick with just stuff that will be you know relevant uh, at any point in time yeah uh, sort of an evergreen uh, yeah now yeah now- so I've I was going to say, with it being self-published, you said it's available on Amazon. Is as simple as looking up John Clark, Honest John, and we yeah. just find it. I'll leave a link it for people to be able to purchase it Absolutely. in the show notes. But if for some reason they were seeking it out, it would just be yeah. a, as simple as a, a Google search. To yeah, the title of that one is uh, "He Called Me a Mormon" with an exclamation point. <laughs> so it's a little cartoon of a, a little girl complaining because her brother called her a Mormon, and obviously it's uh, related to the the emphasis on not using the name Mormon in our church, uh, which is kind of a theme, you know, that runs through the book. Well, clearly it was a win for Satan in that home when the brother called her a Mormon, because that's what we're told. Uh, You, there are other aspects of you that we still haven't even got to. You've said you've served in basically every calling within the church. And as I understand it, Mm -hmm. uh, you're in a bishop brick right now is that is no i'm no longer a bishop i served uh i served for uh four and a half years as a bishop what is that what is that experience like i feel like you can be a little bit more candid about it now that you're not in the position but to me like i think as a young kid i looked at the bishop mm-hmm. and i was like why is every bishop named rick that was honestly a thought that i i had as a young kid <laughs> like it's bishop rick and i'm like i swear his name was jeff <laughs> that's good uh but beyond that, like now as an adult, like seeing the challenges, the struggles, just the day-to-day affairs of like my own self and trying to manage that, yeah. seeing it exponentially increased in the weight of it. And sure, 
you know, blessings and power and the, you know, the keys right. and all that kind right. of stuff. But it just seems like it would be the most overwhelming calling in the world. Yeah, it's it's kind of a, a two-edged sword. It's like the, the most wonderful, most difficult experience I think I've, you know, I've had um, in a calling. And, uh, and it certainly opens your eyes to, well, on, on so many levels, um, how the church uh, functions, how the Lord, you know, works through very imperfect people uh, to, you know, to, to move the work forward. And, you know, you have to, you have to be, you have to have a sense of humor uh, to navigate that. And uh, it certainly, that certainly helped me. I would bet that you would also have to be careful doing your comics during the time of being a bishop because where people are aware that that's what you do, if anyone feels yeah. like you're personally attacking them. That, yeah, that would, absolutely. That would be and I tried to be very careful and didn't do a whole lot of cartoons uh, towards the uh, last half of, of, of being bishop. But, um, but yeah, it's, it was an amazing experience um, in, in so many ways. So I, I feel very grateful that, that I had that, that opportunity. People have said that there is a unique um, feeling that comes over after being released in, I think in all callings, but particularly like in the calling of bishop or stake president. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like for you? And and when I when I say that, they kind of share that it's a, a unique experience. They say that it, it's almost a feeling of being lost a little bit or like wandering without purpose. Uh, I kind of sum that up in a cartoon that's in the book. Um it shows a picture of a, a, a bishop with his head hung, hanging low and he's, he's sort of confiding in a, another member. Nobody knows who I am anymore. You know, kind of like I've been, since I've been released and, and the guy responds, uh, you have my pity, whoever you are. Uh, so yeah, you, you, you know, you, you it, it, another great analogy that, uh, that a friend of mine who, who was a, a great church leader, and I think he was quoting a, you know, a poem or something that uh, you basically you're carrying this torch and you think everybody's following you, but they're not following you. They're following the torch and the torch is obviously Jesus Christ. Right. And as soon as, uh, you know, it's time to pass the torch to somebody else, they just, you know, sort of trample over you and, and go follow the torch uh, that the next guy is holding. Mm. And that, and that's a really great thing in our church. Uh, I believe it, you know, it keeps you, it keeps your ego and your, it, it helps you to stay humble and realize it's not about you. Um, it, it, and, you know, and I think having served a mission, I, I got some of that, but it really helped to, to sort of have that, uh, that understanding. Uh, through that calling. So yeah, when I was released, uh, I went, it was funny because I was released right before COVID hit. Mm. I uh, literally like two sacrament meetings later, everybody was home Mm -hmm. and I had no calling um, for what a year and a half, I think. And, and really very little sort of interaction with the members in, in the congregation. So I went from sort of that high of just being involved in everybody uh, in, in, you know, in the, in the, in the ward to just nothing. And, and that was tough. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's typical of, 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 uh, of a lot of bishops experiences. 
There are there are three questions we ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall. I'll ask those of you now, and then I'll send you on your way back to your day, my friend. Uh, The first question is: Is do you then have a calling right now? And if so, what is it? I uh, we just moved, so I just uh, I was just called uh, or served as a counselor in the Elder Form Presidency, and so I'm calling less right now. If you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? I think I would really enjoy being the music leader in primary. It's the most coveted. Whenever I ask that question, it is the most chosen, most selected, either the like the, the uh, song, the chorister, or yeah. the piano yeah. player. A lot of people yeah, want to be fact, a piano player, too. My wife is uh, was the nursery leader, and she uh, would have me come in with my ukulele, and, and I just, that was the best. Uh, being able to just play with the kids and and sing. So I love that. The final question that we ask everyone and ask that you interpret it to mean whatever it means to you, but the question remains, what is your favorite part of your faith? That's a good question. Um, I think I'd have to say it's that experience that... um, I think we all have to one degree or another where we realized uh, that we are completely dependent on uh, Jesus Christ and um, that we, nothing we do, uh, nothing, we cannot do anything to um, achieve the, um, the, you know, reward that, that we, we've been promised. We can only, um, have faith and do everything we can to just show our love for what uh, Jesus Christ has done. Um, I think tangential to that maybe would be um, as it relates to what I do with cartoons is the knowledge that God is a very creative person. Hmm. And we always think of that in terms of creating us and creating worlds, but his his desire to create and express himself creatively, I think is a quality that we also have um, as well as humor. I think he's got a really good sense of humor too. Uh, Otherwise we wouldn't have that quality. If we're created in his image, Hmm. then those emotions, those uh, qualities, I think are divine. But, uh, but yeah, I think those would be two of the the main things I would, uh, I would tell. Well, John, we hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen to it this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen to it next week, and that when the time comes that you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.